0: Welcome to DLA Piper's tech law podcast series. I'm Dylan Kennett. I'm a venture capital lawyer here at DLA Piper. Thanks for joining into part two of our podcast with Stefan Katoyu, co-founder of VitaMojo. So Stefan, I guess that brings us on to the, the great news that uh, everybody's finding out now. It's uh, congratulations on the recent uh, Series A fundraise. Uh, Ten million pounds! Congratulations, that's a lot of money. Uh, now the the real work starts. What are what are the plans for that additional runway? Uh, hopefully not a trip to Bermuda. <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, I, we thought we thought the 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 work to get the series the series A funding was hard work. Um, it forced us to dig real deep and figure out what it is that we're that we're why it is that we're doing what we're doing and. We we forced us to take a hard look at ourselves. So that was really hard work, obviously, taking almost, I think, over 100 meetings with VCs. That was also pretty difficult. But it paid off. And now the really hard work starts because, yeah, you you feel like you're getting to the next level and everything's going to be easier there. But it's just the problems change. And Mm -hmm. you have new, all, all the old problems are gone. And you have all this new set of problems that you can... If you're excited about that, yeah. uh, try to solve, to, try to crack new puzzles. Obviously, there's a little bit of time that we need to take to re rearrange what our, our plans based on, on the outcome. But for us, the biggest priority is to generate value for, for our clients. That's the number one focus. We have quite a few clients right now, and there's still quite a lot of data still coming in from from, from those there's the the changes in to their business are quite significant. So we think we're, we're delivering quite a lot of value, but we're just looking for more and more validation of that. The reality is that right now, we have probably about 100 more sites that we could potentially install right away. The reality is that we want to do it right. So we don't want to rush into it without making sure that we actually deliver that value for everyone. So we don't want to rush it, we just want to get it, get it right.
0: So I guess uh, going back to the actual deal itself, we've been through a lot of these ourselves, so we do have an expectation of what what they, how how these deals do pan out, but what was the most difficult thing for you? Or was it the speed dating of 100 different VCs? Or was it actually doing the deal itself? Um, What did you find difficult? What did you enjoy, I guess, as well, too? Um, besides getting the money. <laughs> um, it, I, I guess it's great for our listeners who are coming up onto that Series A round uh, what that experience is. I think one of the most surprising things for
1: us to learn in this process was the quality of people and organizations out there. That, uh, the, the VCs as, as a group, they're an incredible group of specialists and just professionals. We learned so much in this process. It's incredible. We, I think, pretty much every meeting we took, we we learned something new. We met people that really understand either technology or the food retail industry. They understand startups. They understand what's coming next. They ask very relevant questions that make you smarter. And they are they're able to offer advice as well, even even if they're not for free. Yeah. yeah even if they're not investing, it's it's just a great way to just to acquire data points
0: and then on maybe on the not so pleasant uh, experiences did you did you have any on this one or i think again we were a little fortunate because there was no pressure
1: of time on our on our end we've done it at a time that it felt comfortable and we knew we weren't going to rush it we were not against the deadline i can see how doing it when as the noose is tightening on your cash can potentially be a problem it's a process that Takes a long time, and it's not a matter of whether you're going to get it done or not. You will. There, there's so much variety in, in in VC. It's inevitable that you're going to run into your soulmate. But the reality is that it might take a long time, and it's having the bandwidth and the, the runway to actually go through that
0: process until it's the right time. That, that can get dangerous. And and how you said it, finding your soulmate. How. Did you know that was the right investor to work with?
1: Just as I was mentioning around um, the initial, the early stage investors, the angel investors, it's quite important to find people that you click with. And that even if they're good professionals, you might not be feeling like you, you can build a relationship. I think it's quite important to have someone that you can cultivate a relationship with and you, you know that they can be supportive. And they can understand the challenges that you're going through, support you in solving them, and give you the space to do what, what, what's right and trust you to do it. It's just building that relationship, building that trust throughout the process as
0: well. I guess we could say it's been a very strong 2018 for, for Vita Mojo. Uh, you recently won the Rising Star Award from Deloitte at their Fast 50 Awards. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Uh, what, what does that mean to you as a company? Uh, is, is this an accolade or is this something to parlay on to the next one?
1: No, we're, re- we're really excited and honored about this. Um, it's, we've been working really hard over the years and both me and Nick, we're not very good at celebrating our successes, so we tend to gloss over it, but we made a commitment this year that we're actually going to celebrate our successes a lot more. So there's still a, long, a, a lot of work to do and a long way to go, but um, yeah, we're going to gonna take this recognition and, and have some fun.
0: Um, well, you're m- amongst an esteemed group of, of winners, so congratulations again. So Vita Mojo is clearly focused on the personalization of food. Uh, key consumer drivers attracting customers is, is really the interest, growing interest in healthy lifestyles and convenience. Uh, we, we all know people are drinking less alcohol, moving towards a friendlier lifestyle. Um, where do you see those customer needs and wants evolving to? How is Vita Mojo going to respond to those? Is that a, I know this is a loaded question, is this a global shift or is it more local in, in the UK? Um, where where do you see Vita Mojo answering those shifting trends and demands? There's a lot to unpack there, yeah. 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 <laughs> there's a lot to
1: unpack in your question. Everyone talks about it. Health is on everyone's mind. People are, be- there's a lot more resources out there, both about nutrition and what a healthy lifestyle is. Whether you're vegan or not, or paleo or not, there's talk about how to make extend our lives, how to make our lives so much more complete, and how to be the best versions of ourselves. Transhumanism is, is, a, is a big topic. But there are a lot of trends that are pointing in the same direction. People are more interested in their bodies, and they're more willing to invest to make their bodies be optimal. But also for all the health tracking
0: apps, I, I'm sure you have some. There's a couple on the phone, yeah. I, okay. I uh, We all have our, our Strava as an equivalent.
1: So, yeah, so I think um, that's one of the things that we're seeing and we're expecting a lot in the future is to start seeing a lot more integration be- between the wearables, all the health trackers, but also other things like people start understanding a lot more about the DNA. DNA tests are becoming a lot more accessible to people. More and more people have their DNA decoded and as the science progresses, you can make more sense of what that your particular DNA means. And have
0: you this. been working with companies that do that analysis for your customers? Or what's that been looking like for, from the business point of view?
1: Yeah, that's actually, this is where the Vita Mojo restaurants are, are actual flagships, restaurants of the future in a way, that's, that's what we're trying to push the boundary to the maximum. So. For our restaurants, we have you can uh, do your own DNA test, and you can link those results into into your Bimboji restaurant account, and you can see the menu essentially highlighted based on what your DNA is telling you. So there's some bits that you should eat more of, and some bits that you shouldn't eat that much. So for someone who is there are specific gene mutations that make people process carbs very differently. So then you should probably eat less carbs because you're, more, you're, you're processing them more efficiently. Or your omega-6, omega-3 deficiency, or whether you should eat more broccoli. the mm-hmm. DNA test would tell you if you should eat more bro- broccoli or other brassicas like um, cauliflower or... That has no impact on you, so that's one part of it. It's the DNA that's that's telling us a story. There's more to that that you can you can start adding in regular blood tests that also are a very interesting way of monitoring your health, especially if you have health problems. If you're healthy, obviously there's not much to to monitor, but uh, especially for people who are have any sort of deficiencies. Regular blood tests are quite important. So we're also integrating with, with Thrive users. And you can you can see the menu basically based both on your DNA and your blood tests. So that integration of you worked out recently, so you should eat a certain way. Your DNA is telling you, you should eat a certain way. Your blood tests are telling you to eat a certain way. Having all of that come together it just and, triangulates what you, exactly you should be eating. Yeah. Exactly. And triangulate that and give you just a very clear picture of it's not necessarily what you should eat, but you have the free you have the information, you have the transparency, you have all these data points that you can choose to act on or not, but you have them at your fingertips.
0: Yeah, information is power in in this respect as well too.
1: Yeah. And the other the other interesting thing that we, we think is going to happen in the near future is all of this control, all of this stuff is actually quite difficult at the moment. So We're expecting to see a lot more automation um, in this whole process. So you're seeing it a little bit with delivery companies, food delivery companies. You're seeing it with what we're doing, but essentially this interface between people and their food, it's becoming digital. You Mm -hmm. don't have to interact with people to get your food. And there's like this nice digital layer that's, that's simplifying and automating. Your access to food, and it's making also quite personal.
0: Yeah, we've seen companies like Starship Technologies, uh, with their autonomous robots delivering food all over the the city now. So yeah, it's a brave new world.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually, speaking of brave new world, if you're thinking about the next step for the fu- for the food industry, is obviously going to be the race the the rise of um, artificial intelligence. What people in the industry and people who actually work on it is just algorithms, it's just algorithms, it's not, no buzzwords, but essentially starting to, because now that you have all these data sources and all these digital interfaces, you're starting to generate a lot of data around something that used to be very basic, Uh, just eating, I'm eating some food, it's just basic stuff, There's there's no digital trail for it, but with this, with all this data, you can actually start getting a lot of interesting insights. And one of the things, obviously, we know food waste is a huge problem. The limited resources, deforestation, all this stuff. Well, with more data, with more, with more analysis of that data, we can make our food consumptions a lot more effective, a lot more efficient. So we can get a lot more from the same, the same resources of space and people working in them.
0: Stefan, can you tell us more about? You're not only a restaurant company on your own now, but you also have created this interesting technology, uh, and, and you're selling it as a, as a service to a lot of other uh, companies in the restaurant industry. Do you want to give us a bit more background on what exactly the technology is, how people are using it in their businesses? Uh, is it replacing legacy systems that exist, exist in the restaurant industry, or is it something they haven't seen before?
1: Our intention initially was just to build a technology, but we just didn't know who would buy it. We couldn't figure out if anyone would buy it. The way we were thinking about it was we need to build a brain for restaurants. How do you build a brain for restaurants? Well, first of all, you have to give technology a lot more control or rely on technology a lot more than, than what normally restaurants do. In a way, we build, we build our restaurants to prove what's possible. So you have to give people an interface to place their orders. And have the same conversations with technology that they would normally have with the people with the people behind the, the till. What goes into this food? Does this have any allergens? How much does this cost? Can I combine X and Y? But can I have a little more of that? All of those questions, you had to embed them in technology. On the restaurant side, all of a sudden you have a whole new range of problems that are coming from that, which is Essentially, every single order you make is individual to a person. You no longer have 20 recipes that you execute and you just hand them over to whoever wants one or the other. You make a unique order that needs to be matched with a unique person. The technology that we built is basically this interface to take orders from any, whether it's in store or a computer or an app or whatever. Any technology you're using, you can place the order you're also enabling the restaurants to deliver on those unique orders at the same costs at the same labor costs and in the same speed that any high street retailer would so you're all of a sudden delivering unique orders hundreds of unique orders in one day at the same speed at the same cost as uniform factory-made food it doesn't sound like much but (laughs) It's impressive, um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's quite it's quite interesting. What we're actually seeing in, in some of the clients that we have right now is that we're going beyond that because of this change, this shift in that, that has quite a deep impact on the layout of the space. So all of a sudden they can free up more more space for their kitchens because they need to take out they, they can take out tills, they can take out people. So all of a sudden you you're actually dramatically increasing the, the capacity that they have. It's, it's quite dramatic changes in the volume they can make from the same space.
0: Without necessarily naming any specific brands, uh, can you give us some insights into who you see as VitaMojo's current future competitors? Where are the competitive forces coming from? Is it, uh, is it the restaurants? Is it the uh, gym brands? Is it the food supplement companies? Um, just give us a bit more insight, if you, if you can, on that.
1: One of the things that we're trying to do, and sometimes more difficult than wishing it into existence is not enough. It's, it's sometimes quite difficult to think about it that way, but we're trying to think of any other technology company around us as a potential partner. So we're trying, like we're making an active effort internally to like never think of someone as a competitor, but just think what are they doing well? How can we work with them? Can we actually just focus on our piece and use whatever these other people are doing well? And that served us really well so far because we we integrate a lot of the work that we're doing is focused on only the things that we're doing well, and we're integrating with other services that are doing their bits. Um, they're excellent at their are their part of of um, technology. But what I would say is that. There are a lot of companies that are working from different areas, but inevitably we will probably all converge 5, 10, 15 years from now, the same way that telecom companies and television companies and fiber optics companies are sort of all converging.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And does that keep you up at night or is that an exciting proposition?
1: Um, Not necessarily keep me up at night. I think it's I think it's really exciting because right now, essentially, everyone has an idea about what the future will look like and what's the best path to to get there. To me, a really exciting one is I mentioned it earlier, but uh, delivery companies. So delivery companies are essentially doing what we're doing. They're putting a digital interface between the consumer and their food but they're going at it in such a dramatically different way than we are and it's it's really exciting to see how two completely different applications of the same idea let's make how do we make food easier for people more personal more convenient simpler but eventually they inevitably they they're starting to move we're, we're both starting to move in the same direction because some of them are started to open their own kitchens and... Yeah, white-labeled
0: kitchens, which they then label as separate restaurants on Exactly. Um, it's only a matter of
1: time until some of them will actually start looking into uh, going and building software for restaurants. Because delivery software and logistics software is great, but it's insufficient. Their biggest problems in terms of logistics is actually restaurants being able to fulfill those orders in a predictable way restaurants can't do that because they have systems that are not fully integrated with the delivery systems so it's only a matter of time until delivery systems will start to creep into restaurants same thing for for us our technology is great in restaurants but people will always try to to move and they will demand more so well you're
0: in a good position i think uh with, with your technology to potentially look at the logistics side of things as well, too.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're building our software in, in such a way that it plays nice with other softwares. Um, we're, we're building it very modular, very scalable, ready to be integrated essentially with anything that comes up. It's just good practice for technology these days, but it's not necessarily the common practice in, when it comes to software for restaurants. We're not doing something that's completely insane, but it is insane for our industry.
0: <laughs> so I guess that's all we have time for today, Stefan, so I just wanted to say thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing where you go next in VitaMojo. Yeah, my pleasure, Dylan. Thanks. thanks for having me. So I just want to give my thanks to Stefan Katoyu uh, for sharing his insights and challenges in the, in the tech sector and what he's been dealing with at VitaMojo and their recent successes please subscribe to our further podcast from DLA Piper as we explore the influence of emerging technologies in business and wider society. There are a number of topics. We range from blockchain to the future of fintech and they can all be accessed through your various podcast platforms.